Social on the sidelines, we are back and better than ever. What is good, Amara Baptist? Hey, we have video now. This is crazy. It's been a year and now we're on video and everything has changed. Brand new, new year, new us, and we even have a new partner. Social on the sidelines is now presented by Zoom. Shout out Zoom. Attention is currency. Monetize with Zoom. Find them on Twitter at Zoom. We really appreciate oh, our friends over at Zoom. You're good. You're good. It's the first time we've done this in a while. It's And we're on video, too. Like, we can't cover any of the messed up stuff, of which there are a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, shout out to our friends over at Zoom uh, for sponsoring and having us come back. We're really excited about this. Um, Amara, what is new with you? It's been like a year. Man, I know. It's uh, I just want to talk about the flex, the low-key flex of your shoes and the setup behind you. Um, New apartment. I see what you're doing. Um, I am in Chicago right now. We play the Bulls tonight, so <clears throat> yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting year to say the least. Um, obviously, COVID and the pandemic and things changed a ton. You know, with our work during the pandemic. Um, was a lot more work I think we can agree on for the digital side of things um I went to the bubble so that was awesome um yeah it feels like it's been five years since so much has happened (laughs) but how are you doing I'm doing well I I wanted to get started by first of all talking about the bubble but then everything in between and for those who have not tuned into social on the sidelines and our first timers thank you for joining us and for those that are returning you're the reason we are returning. Like people, Amara and I texted after we were like, uh, you know, we might do this, we might come back. And we were super honored and thrilled about everyone saying that they love the show. And then when we announced that we were coming back, like me and Amara were texting like, oh my God, this is wild. We thought we thought we were trash, which we are, or I am at least. Amara's not trash, I'm trash. Uh, but no, we're really excited about it. And, um, I, I miss these conversations because I, I get to learn about Amara's life alongside all of you all, but also we get to interview some really cool people. So for those that don't know, um, this show is all about getting to know how people got into the industry, what's going on in the industry, um, in social media and sports. But today, because it's been so long, Amara and I are just going to focus on us for a second and what, what's been going on with us. On that note, Amara, you got to tell us about the bubble experience and how that was. Yeah. So... The bubble, I went home to LA um, <clears throat> after the, the pandemic started in what, February, March, I can't remember. March, um, yeah. I went home in May, spent some time with my family because it was really lonely. Um, I'm an introvert to a certain degree, uh, but it was definitely like living alone and, you know, not having any contact was tough. So I went home with my family for a little bit and uh, found out I was going to the bubble. So I was super pumped. Um left with the team and it was just a wild experience just you know you we had to quarantine for 48 hours in our hotel rooms when we got there we were at the um yacht club shout out the yacht club the most lit of all the hotels trust me i have confirmation um so yeah it was it was really cool um just being embedded with the team and especially like the basketball side of Um, the team, like our GM and our assistant GM and just people that I don't normally spend a ton of time with. We were literally just all in there together doing pretty much everything together. Um, 
it was a great experience and it was really wild because I remember once we we were allowed to go to other people's hotels the Grizzlies were at the Grand Floridian so I had you know obviously I have a ton of friends on the Grizzlies so I go and like I'm totally lost because it's a huge hotel I like walk in I'm like I don't know where I am who I'm what what is going on and the first people I see are James Harden and Russell Westbrook like walking towards me and I was like I don't know if I I don't know what to do. Do I say hello? And they're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? And I was like, hey, <laughs> like, just kind of squeaked high and just like walked through. But it was wild, you know, just like knowing that all the people in the bubble were in your line of work and, you know, working for teams or athletes and everybody was just going through the same new experience together. It was really, really cool. And obviously it was, it was fun for us. Every game was legitimately like a heart attack. Um, so it was a it was a ride. Yeah, I'm I'm a little disappointed you didn't ask Russ and, and James to join social on the sidelines, but it is what it is. I I, I, I mean, understand. I feel, like, I feel like I could just we're at that point where I can just be like, yeah. hey, Russ, oh, we're going to Washington. Perfect. I can just say hello. Be like, you waved at me one time. Would you like to join our show? What else are you doing right, right. now? Like, exactly. There's nothing else going on. Um, all- you know, you, you, you mentioned one thing uh, that I want to hit on and we'll, of course, get into everything that we can in between. But um, a lot of the focus now during this pandemic period has been on digital and social and specifically our departments, because, frankly, you know, without a majority of the NBA having fans in arenas and, of course, the bubble experience um, and then the WNBA bubble in between um, on, on our side, too, like a lot of the focus has been on. Um, social from a monetization aspect, from, you know, the front lines of what we were doing in terms of activism and social justice um, and just about everything in between. So I'm curious, you know, what that has looked like for you in terms of, you know, if things changed really or if it was just more of trying to be intentional about how you went about, you know, uh, the Trailblazers as social. Um, did anything change from a strategy standpoint for you? Um, I mean, I think a lot of change thing a lot – Wow, that was not a correct sentence. A lot of things changed because it was just such a, a new thing. Like, I've never been through a pandemic like this, you know, that affected my work. So I think it was, like, day by day and kind of just going with the flow. Um, you know, when games stopped, we didn't know what was going to happen, how long the league was going to be stopped. So we kind of just waited a bit and then we were like, okay, you know, what if we just posted video highlights of, you know, we're playing the Grizzlies. So let's do a playoff game where CJ dropped 40, you know, like a throwback um, on the days that we're playing those teams. And then as far as like everything else, especially partnership stuff, I mean, they still had contracts to be fulfilled and we didn't know if the league was, we didn't know about the bubble. We didn't know that anything was going to happen. So we had to figure out a way to transition all of our, promised content to partnerships um, and cleverly put it in, you know, our strategy. So it was definitely a lot. Um, I'm really proud of, you know, our team and, and you guys did an amazing job, you know, just handling obviously, you know, George Floyd's death and that was in your city. So I think like on that note, do you want to talk a little bit about how you handled that? And was that, you know, an organizational discussion or, or how did you go about that? No, that's a, it's a really good question. And, and coincidentally at the time I, I've moved now, but, um, you know, for the past two years prior to this move in this apartment, um, Farine and I lived downtown, you know, pretty much a mile from 
the the site of the murder. Um, and so right afterwards, you know, we were kind of in the heart of all the the protests, all the rallies, and all that. And and one thing that was um, amazing to see was obviously the the outpouring of support from the community. But you know, Fahin and I went down to one of the protests, and we had seen. Uh, there was no directive from the organization to like take part in this, but we had seen so many people within the organization from the front office to just people that we work with on the business side. And that was heartwarming for, for me to see. And then, you know, the way in which we approached that um, in terms of how we covered it on social media, the, the first thing that we thought about was it, it has to be natural, right? Like you can't, it has to be true to who we are and there's nothing there's not content that can solve for that. It's either you're about it as an organization or you're not. And, you know, Stephen Jackson came into Minneapolis and spoke following, you know, uh, the murder alongside Jamie Foxx and some other individuals as well. And Carl Anthony Towns and Josh Okogie were there. So at the heart of it, it's very true to, you know, what our players stand for. And as part of that, who we are, because it's in our community and, you know, it has to be kind of a, an actions over words thing is what was said within the organization. And that made me, um, you know, feel really good about where I worked and, and who I worked with because it was not a matter of um, are we going to do anything? It's how are we going to, you know, help this situation? Um, you know, I, I never questioned if we were going to speak on it or um, you know, if we would be willing to say X or Y, because uh, again, it happened in our community. It's something that time and time again, I think the organization has, has taken, um, it, you know, been on the right side of history with, and, and that's important. You know, at the end of the day, when you look back on those situations, um, you got to be on the right side of, of what's right. And, and it, it's not, especially in the NBA and the WNBA, when 80% of our players are, um, you know, black. Um, and frankly, the diversity on the business side needs to continue to, um, to widen, um, and be more inclusive. Um, there's not, it's not really up for debate. And, and a lot of people from, um, the noise on social media spoke, um, obviously you saw a lot of toxicity in terms of opposition and you, you can't play being in the middle. Like you can't support the players and the sport, but not who they are as people and equal human rights for them. Like, it's not a, that's not a political thing. It's just human rights. Yeah. Um, so I, I was proud to be part of the organization. And I continue to be proud to be part of the organization during that time and um, all the, the things in between, um, you know, on, on a little bit of a different note, as that was going on, obviously the pandemic very soon after um, hit. And for a lot of us in the social industry, but just any industry at large, we didn't know what that meant for our jobs. I remember talking um, to, you know, you, the other people within the industry and even within our organization, and we were um, unsure of, of what would happen from our job standpoint, right? Like it was a scary time to be in. So I'm curious how you kind of, um, you know, maneuvered that in terms of like your mental state. Um, but then also, you know, there, there were some tough, decisions made and a lot of people lost their jobs throughout the pandemic. So, um, you know, there, there was a lot of free agents, um, in our industry and just in general looking for work. And, and obviously that, that was something a lot of friends lost positions as well. Um, so just talking about, you know, overall that. Yeah. I mean, I think 
just to um, reiterate, like I think the WNBA, NBA did a great job handling everything, but I think the WNBA is just incredible. Just the women that um, are constantly fighting for for social justice. I, I don't think they get enough credit um, and Agreed. I just wanted to shout them out because I think they're amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a tough time. It still is tough, you know, because, you know, with fans not in the building, it's that's a hit. That's a lot of money lost. And um, a lot of people, you know, like you said, that I that I know on the internet, um, that I know personally lost their jobs. And I think, you know, my mental state kind of transitioned from fear of just the world, like what was going on, um, anxiety, because you just not even about my personal job, just like about the health of my family, um, my mom, my dad, you know, people I love. And then it kind of went to just being really grateful um, because, you know, we have jobs that we love and there are so many people that don't have jobs still that are unemployed. So I think just keeping like being grateful at the front of my mind always throughout this but I do want to say, like, the toxicity from a social justice perspective was really bothered me. Um, I think just the political climate in general, uh, you're right. Like, you can't be in the middle. It's either it's either the right or the wrong side, in my opinion, especially when it comes to um, Black people of color or, you know, Black men and women being murdered by police. Like, there's just, it's not, like, a political statement to be like, this should not happen. Right. Ridiculous that that's even said. There was a lot of, you know, toxic comments. And um, I had the support from my bosses and the higher ups to kind of push back on that and be like, hey, this isn't really up for debate. So like, unfollow, you know, like, we're not going to stop talking about this. And Dame was at, you know, the, the front of a protest. And it's just, for me, I know what I believe, and thankfully that is in line with what the organization believes, because it would be really hard to be silent during that. Um, and yeah, I think just like checking in on my coworkers to make sure people are doing okay, because it is, you know, isolation, that's tough. Yeah. And plus with everything going on in the world, I think, you know, you have to check in even on your strongest friends. So that's just been something that I, you know, have been doing and trying to make a priority of still because it's still tough it's still tough right now said there amongst everything else they were all great points but especially the, la the last point um you know about checking in on people I, I can say for myself personally it was a very difficult time mentally not only you know with everything that was going on in our city but also um you know with the pandemic and you know, at the, at the start of the year, I always try to set some goals for myself. And it's a really difficult time to think about, well, I need to be better at X, Y, and Z. For me, I had to take a step back. And again, like yourself, be grateful for the position that I was in, um, not only professionally, but just as a human being, having my health and having my family's health. You know, um, I'm thankful to God for, for that. But it, it was really hard when you think about still going to work every day and bringing your best um, professionally while we're all locked down and not really able to see our loved ones or our friends or our family for the most part. It, it was a re really difficult thing um, for, for me to kind of deal with. And I think a lot of the rest of the world as well, 
because you're, you're, you're supposed to bring that, you know, bright face and, um, you know, your best creative mind, especially in this role to it every day. And it was really hard. Like I talked to, to members on my team, I talked to, to people within the organization, within the industry. And I feel like a lot of people felt the same way. Um, and, and there was no right answer, right? Like the, the only answer that we came to was like getting through this is enough. And, and I wanted to reiterate that because I was so often in places like, oh, I didn't accomplish this. You know, when I, when I hit, when we hit 2021, pretty much a month ago, um, I looked back and I accomplished nothing that I said I was going to do. And that to me initially was depressing. Cause it's like, you know, you, it seems like I wasted a year of my life, but when I look back on it and when I, you know, in hindsight, when I think about all those things, I learned a lot about life in general and, and what we need to, you know, be grateful for um and be cognizant of that we have going on rather than just focusing on all the negative parts of um you know i didn't do this i didn't get this you know um i didn't improve myself in this certain category again i just want to reiterate reiterate to everyone like for me and i think for a lot of other people just getting through that was and is enough and we're obviously not out of it yet um so some of those thoughts still remain like some weeks you know i'm in a much worse place than i am in other weeks um, and it, there's nothing that really um, impacts that outside of myself and how I approach the day. Um, so I just need to get, you know, into a better consistent place in terms of, like you said, being more grateful for being able to wake up, frankly, every day that I can. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious, you know, you, you, you hit on the mental side a little bit, but how you kind of um, dealt with everything and how you were mentally throughout this period that's still ongoing. Yeah, I think I went through, um, like, the first half of quarantine was honestly kind of refreshing in a way because I felt like I needed to slow down, but I couldn't because of work, and I needed to take a breath, but I couldn't, um, and I kind of got into a groove. Like, I was like, oh, man, this is the first time where I feel like I have, like, a routine where I can get enough sleep and exercise, you know, consistently and, like, connect with my faith more and that part really kept me going was like just being consistent with reading the bible and like listening to sermons and just like talking to friends on facetime that i have not talked to like my best friend in california her name's ashley and we every sunday we would talk and we would have like a two-hour facetime and it was so refreshing and i feel like you take those things for granted in like the chaos of a busy world so just connecting people and like you know zoom family calls i feel like that would never have happened if we weren't right. in that like it's sad it takes a global pandemic to like connect yep. with people you love but i think that first half was like simultaneously hard and also refreshing and then the bubble was really nice because it i had connection and i you know i was alone for so long that just being around people that i you know love and care about and hugging people and like not feeling like you know whatever and coming out of the bubble was hard because you go from being around people every single day, not honestly not worrying about the virus at all because you felt you were safe in this controlled environment. And then you get out. And I remember I went grocery shopping and I was like, I, like I'm scared because, you know, you, you were in this controlled environment for, I think we were there almost 60 days and you got into the real world and you're like, wow, this is still very bad. And this is still very much a thing. Um, and then it's like isolation again. So I think it, for me, I kind of just went through, like it was a bit of a roller coaster, but um, 
consistently making time for self-care was like a big priority for me. And maybe self-care was watching three hours of 90 day fiance. Like I think it, which it was a lot of the time. <laughs> and, you know, I think like to your point, not judging yourself of like taking the time that you need and yeah, maybe that's not the most productive use of my three hours, but man, you know, I felt a lot better after doing it. And then I can, you know, to not shame yourself and give yourself grace during this period, I think is, is really important and kind of bothered me when I saw posts on Instagram from people that were like, if you didn't take this time to better yourself, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's quite frankly BS. Like that's BS. Right. That's, don't shame people for handling a freaking global pandemic. Like, right. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, I don't no, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And I, I think the one thing that I, I really realized during this time is that everyone's experience is different, right? Like we, we do very similar things in terms of professional work, but our experiences can be, and it's okay for them to be different. Like there's some people that really thrive off, um, you know, only focusing on better than themselves. And I think in a past you know, two or three years ago, if you would have asked me, I, I think I would have been naive enough to think like that was the way to judge my year. And to yeah. some degree, like I, you know, I told you, I, I, I felt like a failure because there was so much that I right. didn't do, but I would putting that on anyone else and being like, well, you didn't do this. Right. Um, so your, you know, your year was trash. That's, that's never the right way to go about anything. And I, I think speaks to, you know, just being, compassionate for others that that's another thing throughout this period like like you said being there for people is, is uber important and making anyone feel like their experience is less or you know they're less valued was not the right approach and is not the right approach during this period or any period so yeah you know on a, on a little bit of a different note um because we're so now used to to working from home and um being throughout this obviously on the digital side of things um I don't know about you, but for me, earlier earlier on in my career, it was something that I kind of pushed for more often, not a permanent work from home place, but because of the nature of our jobs and because we are, you know, pretty much always online to some degree. We're working um, quite a bit and we have games as well. So it's, it's longer days. Um, it was something that I pushed for in the past, but now being in it every day, there is elements of that being in the office that I do really miss, although I there, there are advantages and disadvantages to working from home. So I'm curious to see, um, you know, what, what you think of this experience thus far and if it's something you hope continues or, you know, are there elements in which you, you want to go back? I'm just curious to hear your opinion on it. Yeah. Um, I think, are you muting yourself every time? That's really smart. Okay. <laughs> um, I have always kind of, thought that working from home is something that I would want permanently, like you said. I think there's a lot of benefits. I think like just being able to plan your day better. Like I feel like sometimes I would finish my work at let's say like 1130 and then I feel like I have to be at my desk until five, you know, not on a game day. Um, when at home, you know, if I'm done with my work, I can go grocery shopping or I can do laundry or I can like multitask to kind of do the things that when you're traveling full time with the team is really hard to get done when you're in the office. Um, but obviously I do miss like the camaraderie and um, being around, you know, my coworkers. I think meetings are tough. Um, Zoom is like fine, uh, but I definitely feel like it's 
there's something missing. Um, right. So I don't know. I'm, I have mixed feelings. I wouldn't be mad if it was like work from home half the time, like two or three days a week and then go into the office. But honestly, like I am scared to like go back into an office yeah. setting right now. It feels like it's too soon. Um, and I think the right. Blazers feel the same because we haven't really talked about a time returning. Um, yep. It also depends on the city because like Portland is pretty strict right now. California is really strict. And then you have like Texas, Florida, who you like, we were in Houston and like literally I took a walk and like every single person there were, there was not a mask in sight. And like in there were restaurants, I was like, this is, I feel like I'm in a different world, but okay, cool. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't mind working from home. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm in the same boat. I think, you know, early on um, throughout the pandemic, uh, the first few months, I'm like, okay, this is not the pandemic itself, but the environment which allowed us to work from home. Like, that's that's awesome. You know, I get to, like you said, spend some time, cook some breakfast, spend more time with my wife. We got mm -hmm. a new cat. Shout out Churro. That, that's new since the last <laughs> podcast. Um, so, you know, spend some time for uh, myself and, like, work out in the morning or do groceries at lunch. Like, those were things, you know, a, a lot of people who might not be in the industry might not realize, like, you have to, especially when you're working in the office and you're attending games and you're traveling on the road, like, you really have to plan when you can go to the grocery store, when you can get a haircut, when you can go for a walk, when you can work out, like, all of those things that are things that you have to be cognizant of. And I think one really refreshing thing about this work from home um, lifestyle from a professional standpoint is being able to spend a little bit more time to be you at home and spend time with the people you're around, you know, if you have that um, ability. So that's nice. Like you said, I think there's a lot of scenarios in which, you know, there are elements that I miss. Um, I even think about game night right now, like, I sit on the on one of the staircases in between our rows at Target Center to like shoot the game, and Parker, who's usually doing our social media graphics, is up at the top of the section, and Taylor, who is our social media coordinator, who's usually tweeting the game and, and covering live, she's either at home or you know on another side, and then Cody, who's our social media manager, he's on the baseline. So like that interpersonal reaction outside of sending each other Slack messages and being like, "Hey, this photo is going up. Hey, we're posting on this platform." Like that's something that I do miss because, you know, that really cool feeling of like, yo, I got this. Can you edit this? Handing those things off and like spending a little bit more time together. That's, that's one of the really fun parts about game nights um, yeah. that I miss a lot. And then the fan element too, of course, yeah. like you said, I don't, I don't know when it's going to be a time in which, you know, we're all comfortable enough about bringing that back fully. It, it hasn't been the case thus far, um, but that it's been kind of eerie, like going into an arena and covering a game. And for the most part, I think there's only um, eight teams that have some semblance of fans in arenas. I haven't seen any others, but like at Target Center, when I go in and I cover a game, like everything else is the same, right? Like the the live experience. Our in arena team does a great job, still bringing like energy. Um, the players are obviously doing their thing. But then not having fans to like react, the the crowd noise and stuff is unique for sure. Um, that the in arena team is able to like you know bring some semblance of energy, but there is an element. It's kind of eerie like walking in and, and seeing nobody. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting like being in the bubble. Um, 
for some reason, I think it's because it was so small, like it was such a small room. Yeah. It was really intense. Like it felt like you felt the energy of like you could hear everything. The benches were going wild. Like I don't know what it was, but being in like huge arenas, and I think like you know, shout out our arena team. They do a really good job with fan noise, like fake fan noise, and it sounds almost real, but it's still you can't you can't like get that energy in a huge arena that's just empty. So yeah, it's definitely different. Um, and, you know, I wonder how that affects players, because if I feel a difference, like, it's tough getting energy to to play for an empty arena. It, it's it's kind of weird. But we were in Houston, and they had fans, and it was definitely different. Like, you could tell. Like, it was it was definitely different. Oh, for maybe sure. that's why the Utah Jazz are so good this year. <laughs> I love the game win streak as of right now. Yeah. yeah. Shout out Angie. You know. Yeah, shout out Angie and team. They've been doing some great stuff. Um, so on a final note, unless you had um, another thought to, to close this out, we haven't obviously had one of these in quite some time, and it's been pretty – I think it's been like a year. So I'm curious, from a professional standpoint, like what's been the coolest thing that you've been able to work on or post or do like from your professional standpoint? Ooh. I'm going to go with the, um, I think just the bubble experience, honestly. Like, I think just being there to capture those moments and um, try and bring fans into that experience through social was something that was really unique and something that I was nervous about doing because I didn't know, you know, each team sent one content person. So it was definitely like, oh, crap, I have to, like, <laughs> crush this um like no pressure but um yeah that was really cool and I'm trying to think what else um I'm really proud of our um DEI team uh diversity equity and inclusion team just how they've been handling um and leading the charge on our social justice program um and something that I think you know I'm really proud of um my coworker Adam and I for our last game versus the Lakers um, instead of uh, doing like a normal final score, like our caption was, um, crap, I'm going to butcher it, but it was like, please don't forget um, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, and many other families are still seeking justice. Um, something to that effect. That's not exactly what it was. And during the game, we actually um, posted petitions that were uh, unique to Oregon um, for people that were murdered by the police or murdered because they were transgender. And we used our platform to kind of push people to those petitions. And I think that was really special to be a part of and was a really uh, big group effort. So that was that was something I'm proud of. Yeah, for sure. On a, on a similar note on, on my end, um, you know, being so close to everything that was going on and again it wasn't a content opportunity it was literally just seeing right. you know our organization being part of it like you know we were able to see like i said some players um throughout the the protest a lot of organizational executives just business side employees throughout all that so that was really cool um and again it's not necessarily a specific piece of work um but I was pretty proud to 
to be part of this organization and to call this my hometown team, you know, on the court, um, you know, there, there hasn't necessarily been a ton of wins for us this season, but one thing that we've seen is the, that effect and, and kind of the closeness, um, that this team has and, and at the organization has like, despite all of that, I'm still proud to, to work here. Right. Um, so that's really cool. And then on the, as you mentioned, the WNBA side has been pretty much a leader um, in social justice initiatives far before the season, right? Like mm-hmm. the links were, were standing up for, for what's right years ago. And, and so being able to see that in the WNBA bubble, which um, our social media manager, Cody, was able to be a part of down in Bradenton, Florida, um, that was really cool to, to get to even see that from a distance and be part of that to some degree. Um, and then I don't know if I ever got to... I don't know, know where our last episode ended at. I don't know if it was before or after the trade deadline, but like the two cool pieces of work, um, it, like actual things that we posted that I was really excited about above and beyond the past examples were when we traded for D'Lo. I think, you know, the team knocked it out of the park. Um, yeah. And that was a really cool experience. Like essentially our, our social team and our, con- you know, we planned for an unknown. We had no clue whether we were going to trade or not. Um, but we had like a plan in place and we executed the hell out of it, which is really cool to see. Um, and then start to this season, um, we did some really cool stuff. Our, our animation team has done some really cool stuff to start the season. Uh, Joe and Doug on our animation team. Um, we hired an illustrator to make, remake like a Goosebumps cover. Um, and then we hired a drone pilot uh, whose name is Jay Christensen um, to do this really cool um you know, drone fly through the arena that uh, my boss, Eric, um, ideated and kind of executed alongside our in-arena team. So those are really cool pieces of content that kind of took off. Um, and I, I was proud to, to be part of, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that was mine. Cool. I'm I trying need- to think of, like, other things, but I feel like my brain right now is just not working. <laughs> um, You're good. It's game day for you. Yeah, game day. Uh, any last thoughts before uh, before we call it for this return to social on the sidelines? I just want to pull. What, what was that? I have never been able to see that. Is an right, I got. Hold up, I got some for y'all, and the listeners who listen on the podcast will not be able to see this. But because you just did that, I had you know I gotta okay walk watch. This eyebrow, okay? Just keep watching it. It's worth it. I promise. I think. Why does it do that? I don't like I don't it. know. I don't, my, like it my nos- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how or when I found that out. But, like, for the listeners at home, like, I raise one eyebrow and the other one starts, like, going nuts and going crazy. And my nostril starts twitching. What? You missed the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So you should watch the video. <laughs> yeah, go watch the video. Um... Yeah, no, I, my eyebrows can do that, so that's pretty wild. Um, I don't even know where I was at. Like, I saw it myself, and I was scared of myself. What, what was even my train of thought there? You shook your eyebrows, and that was... <laughs> Somebody make that a gif. Amara's going wild. <laughs> um, I just wanted to poll our listeners. If you've listened for this long, God bless you, because it's, you know. Um, should I get a Peloton? Because... Yes. You don't even got to poll the listeners. Yes. I am upset. Peloton, sponsor us. 
Yo, Peloton. I love you. Look, I did a Cody class this morning. I have never. Have you have you done Alex Hassan yet? Yeah, he murdered me the other day. Yeah, he always murders me. Like he, even when it's low impact, I'm like, why are you doing this to me? I said no, I, low impact. I literally was like, did I? Is this in defense? Like I, I can't do anything right now. Like this is horrible. It's so good. Yeah. Sponsored. Yes. No, Peloton is legit. You should absolutely. Pel. Oh, here's a poll for y'all. Is it Peloton or no. Peloton or or it's what? Neither. Peloton. What is it? It's I can't Pel- say it. I can Peloton. 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 Right? I, I can never say it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm asking you. Yeah, it's Peloton. I think. Now I'm questioning everything. I don't know. Shook. You're Let shook. us know. Um, and also on that note, we are thinking about uh, potentially having a live element to this at some point. So um, until that point, let us know who you want our guest to be. We have a good idea uh, of the, who the next guest might be. But of course, always hit us up. And we are so happy to be back for Social on the Sidelines. Shout out Zoom for partnering us. Shout out y'all for listening. Shout out Amara's eyebrows and my weird eyebrow flex. And Peloton. <laughs> Peloton. Shout out Peloton. to y'all. Peloton. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having us, y'all. And thanks for listening.